Sermons from FBC Athens. On this podcast, you can listen to the weekly sermons from Sunday worship at First Baptist Church of Athens, Georgia. The title for the sermon from Sunday, October the 15th, is Love to the Loveless Shown, and is given by Matt Marston, Senior Minister at First Baptist. The scripture text is chapter 1 of the book of Ruth, and we begin with the reading here with verses 16 through 22. Do not press me to leave you, or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. Entreat me not to leave thee. Entreat me not to leave thee. Or to return When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? 
Call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Where is God in hard times? What is God up to when the world seems to be falling apart? That's what's happening in that little phrase at the beginning of the reading, in the days when the judges ruled. Israel has entered the promised land in Joshua. Remember? Five weeks they got in the land, okay? I know you forget most everything, but give me that. (laughs) And you would think in this land flowing with milk and honey, life would be good. But instead, the judges rule, and they are unfaithful, selfish, and incompetent. Okay? You think we have political problems, and we do. It was even worse then. The uh, violence and vulnerability of the ancient world is really hard for us to even imagine. Really hard. But life is difficult. There is a famine. There is no food. That's even worse than what, we've ex- what we're experiencing. I went to the grocery store to buy a family-size box of Raisin Bran Crunch I was tempted, it was so bad, I was tempted to buy wheat checks. (laughs) I did not. I fought the temptation, rather have oatmeal. Okay, there was no food, and so Naomi and her family go into Moab, a pagan land, not the promised land, the place of strangers, even the place of their enemies, they go there for survival. And tragedy strikes. Naomi's husband dies. And then her, her boys, Israelite boys, married foreign women, which is, always, is a little suspicious in the Old Testament. And then her sons die. She is desperate and alone. She could not own property. There was no life insurance. She was at sea completely. And I'm sure she asked, where is God? What is God up to? People have been asking that question this week. Not far from Moab, in Israel, in the Gaza Strip. Imagine, I was listening to an interview with one woman who had left her kids in the kibbutz where they lived to run an errand, and they call from the safe room. And they say, there are, we're hearing shots outside. Where is God in 
that? Where is God in this conflict? What is God up to? I'm not going to solve or attempt to solve uh, Israel-Palestine today. I will say that I happen to agree with the New York Times editorial pages this week. Doesn't usually happen for me, but I commend those to you for your own reading. Where is God? Naomi can't see it. She turns to go back. She's, she heard, oh my gosh, cereal's $5. We can go back to home. But she goes back desperate and alone, and she's got these two young women with her. I'm imagining they're in their mid-20s or so, because probably people got married. Women were usually teenagers when they were married in this ancient context. Naomi says, turn back, and Orpah does the sensible thing. She goes back to her home, to her family. Ruth says, I'm going to go with my mother-in-law. Do any of you have a mother-in-law? Do you imagine going, I mean, I love my mother-in-law. I mean, of course I would do this, Betty, of course. Um, But no one's around. It's just them. Does that make sense? It really doesn't for Ruth. She's going to go to a strange land, to a place where she is an outsider, where she will be desperate, where she will be alone, where grinding poverty seems to be all that is in their future. And Ruth goes. And not only does she go, she uses these beautiful words that indicate that she has been moved by a beautiful kind of love. A kind of love that says, I'll stick with you in the middle of these hard times. So usually in the way that Christians usually read the Bible, strange, the men usually get associated with God. Did you know that? Did you know? Of course you knew that. Usually that's who we're looking for. The presence of God is probably going to be uh, around a man. Usually when we read the book of Ruth, who's the, where's the presence of God? Who's the Christ figure? Boaz. We're, we're going to get to him in a little bit. The kinsman redeemer. But I'd like to suggest, surprisingly, in this first chapter, where is God? God is moving through Ruth. Ruth, this Moabite, this stranger, this person who is not authorized in the right way to be and enact the presence of the God of Israel, God, I think, is there in Ruth, inspiring Ruth to love Naomi. And she's loving Naomi at a time where Naomi is in too much darkness to even receive it. Did you notice that? Ruth, maybe she sang it like Jennifer did. These beautiful words of love. And what does Naomi say in response? Nothing. She says not a word. She can't even say thank you. Why? Because she is so trapped in her grief in her fear. She even changes her name to bitter. Ruth loves her 
when Naomi can't love her back. That's why I think it's appropriate. This is daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law that these words are spoken of and in this situation, and this becomes the best look we have at marital love in the Bible. Because what do you sign up to do in marital love? You don't know it. You can't imagine it. But you are saying, I'm going to love you when you can't love me back. Because we all need that kind of love, that kind of gracious love. Isn't it true for all of us, at some point in our lives, we will be in such darkness that we really can't even receive love? Where we are so trapped in our own sorrows, our own thoughts, our own anxieties, our own fears, our own depressions, that we cannot even receive the love that's coming our way. But in those moments where someone is loving us, I believe that is the love of God inspiring us because it takes a work of grace to love someone who doesn't love you back. Anybody ever been an adolescent? Some of you, you know, you'll get your turn. We all, hopefully, and probably somewhere, even if it was just a teacher who held us in kind and positive regard, we all need someone to love us when we cannot even know we're loved, or we're blind to it. That's the kind of love that Ruth has for Naomi. That's the kind of love we all need, and I think Eventually, we will all be called to show. If you think that love is a fairy tale, that you will always love your parents and your family and your spouse and your kids, your friends, you will always love them, you'll give it and they'll send it right back in this beautiful rubber and glue situation. That's not life. Eventually, we're going to need love that we can't return. And I think we're all going to be called to give love, even when it's not coming back to us. It may be a child. It may be a parent. How many people care for parents uh, who are just not that grateful? Or maybe they can't be grateful because they're lost in dementia or something. That, is that easy no. Is God there? Yes. God is there making us capable of loving people when they cannot love us back. And I think that even God is there somehow. I mean, think of, I'm thinking about my life when people have been kind to me and loved me when I was just totally stuck in my own enormous ego. I thank God that people were there to love me and somehow sustain me in that love. I think about, there's lots of examples of this because this is part of being human, is part of being human, but I think specifically about a man named Grady and his wife, Jane. I knew them in Texas. 
Grady was a hospital chaplain, and he uh, retired and was looking forward to, had a big retirement, big plans. They were going to travel, and they were going to see all the grandchildren. And about six months after his retirement, Jane couldn't get out of bed. They didn't know what was wrong with her. Eventually, she was diagnosed. They called it Alzheimer's, but whatever it was, it went fast. She could not remember him or anything else. No short-term, no long-term memory. Grady was there with his dreams of what they were going to do in retirement. And instead, he was a full-time caregiver. And she lived about a year longer. He was a full-time caregiver for a solid year. Of course, people do more, but Grady did a year. And he said, after Jane's funeral, that year was one of the most precious in our marriage. I said, how? How? He said, because God gave me the gift of being able to love Jane when she couldn't love me back. And he said, you know, when I loved that way, it did come back to me in a different way. Prayer of St. Francis, better to love than be loved. God's love is upside down from what we usually expect. God's love, even in dark times, is always active, inspiring us to give and receive love. That's one of the reasons why I think we come to church. It's like getting an oxygen treatment. Because in our lives, we will be called to love people who don't love us back, to love without expectation of return, to love unconditionally, even when what we get in return is bitterness or disappointment. We come in here, I think, to remember, to be inspired by the love of God that loves us at our lowest point that knows us in all of our pettiness, our own superficiality, and all of our selfishness. God knows us and loves us. Paul says, God loves first before we ever thought of loving. And I can even imagine this song of Ruth on the lips of Jesus calling out to a people too busy for love, too distracted for love, uh, too concerned about if Taylor Swift is at the Chiefs game, all the nonsense that we fill our time and attention with. Jesus says, y'all are going to be my people. And where you go, I'm going to go. And where you die, I'm going to die. And here's the switch. And where I rise, you will too. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons from FBC Athens. Join us for worship in person or our live stream 
Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. God's grace and peace be with you today, tomorrow, and always.